0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Wrap as a part of Fintech Unfiltered. I'm Bianca Chan, the news editor at Bank Innovation, and I'm joined by my colleague, Rick Morgan. Hi everyone. We are here to talk about the uh, big ticket stories that we covered this week and what to look ahead to for next week. Um, So Rick, I believe you covered some stories about Green Dot. I think they've been pretty busy.
1: Yeah, Green Dot had a pretty busy week. Um, you know, Green Dot has been known for years and years for its prepaid reloadable cards um, that are branded in the um, the style of whatever company they're working with, um, Walmart, uh, and you know, a bunch of other people. Um, that's sort of been their shtick for a long time. Um, but they've sort of um, pivoted their business recently now that there's so many different options for... Um, of the population that used to use these prepaid cards. Um, you know, with the challenger banks um, sort of exploding over the past few years, Green Dot has sort of had to find new ways to reach end customers. And they're really using their banking as a service platform to do that. Uh, this week, they announced some upgrades to their Walmart money card, which has been a product they've had for a while. Uh, and money card's really gone from being a Prepaid reloadable card, um, and just being that, and now it's more of a full-fledged like challenger bank through Walmart. Essentially, you can uh, transfer money from outside bank accounts. There's a savings account. You can transfer money within the app. You can uh, uh, deposit cash, obviously, at Walmart stores. There's the, the card that comes with it. So um, it's really kind of looking more and more like what you see out of you know Chime and Varo, except branded as Walmart. Um, and Green Dot also announced um, that through Passbook by Remitly, Remitly being the um, very prominent remittance startup um, that just recently launched a checking account a few months back called Passbook. Um, now Green Dot has powered this service where customers can um, put money directly onto uh, their, their Passbook account by depositing cash at like Walgreens and 7-Elevens and like 90,000, I believe the number was, uh, retail locations across the U.S., and uh, just yesterday, they announced that Green Dot is partnering um, this new service from this company called Welcome Technologies, which is uh, providing banking services for, for underbanked populations as well. So they've really been pushing their banking as a service platform to, um, to reach more end customers as prepaid reloadable cards sort of fall out of favor.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. They kind of enter like a pretty crowded field of, of, of challenger banks, hey?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it used to be that, you know, uh, the, the underbanked population uh, was really drawn, I think, to, to these prepaid cards because it was an option to, um, to pay without having to use cash all the time. Um, but now that a lot of these fintechs have made um, banking so easy, it's um, so easy to open an account and um, are reaching a lot of these underbanked customers that, that in the past didn't have any other options. Um, it's making Green Dot sort of have to rethink their business um, and find new ways to, to reach these customers. And I think that the more challenger banks grow in popularity, um, the more that kind of eats Green Dot's lunch. And so that's kind of why they're, I think, trying to sort of revamp their strategy with, you know, Walmart and Uber mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, uh, I believe Stash is another customer of theirs. I mean, they, they have a lot of big name customers, and I really think that's kind of their their path forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out to their face. They also have their own
1: challenger bank called Unlimited. So um, it's, it's, yeah, even they're contributing to the field, so. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And I know that you, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, big names, launching new technology, you had a pretty cool story about Wells Fargo.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wells Fargo's um, seeing this rise in fraud. Um, for their commercial clients. And the interesting thing is the the trends in the fraud are definitely taking advantage of the coronavirus. So it's not necessarily like there's new kinds of fraud that's happening right now. Like it's still mostly phishing, tax and ransomware and uh, business email compromise, which is when um, a criminal kind of pretends to be a trusted person behind an email address. Um, But the ways that the fraudsters are kind of infiltrating The companies is different, and they're really leveraging COVID fears and and the demand or the need for information. So Wells Fargo launched a few um, educational resources tools for their customers, specifically um, you know focusing on fraud during COVID, as well as hosting webinars. So they're really just doubling down on that kind of educational aspect to fraud mitigation. Um, So it's pretty interesting to see how as as to see how the fraudsters are kind of evolving their mm. tactics, given just like the overall chaotic environment, and then how the banks are trying to, um, you know, combat that. Wells didn't go into a ton of detail about the actual technology or systems behind their fraud prevention um, frameworks, just because, you know, the fraudsters would be reading our stories and <laughs> figuring it out and one yeah. step ahead of them. So they were pretty tight-lipped about that, but. Just interesting that they've kind of been investing a lot of time and resources into like the educational aspect.
1: Great. Uh, and what are you looking forward to covering next week?
0: Yeah, we're going to be uh, looking a little bit deeper into a recent investment that Santander ventures which is the which is Santander Group's uh, venture capital fund, they just invested in a alternative small and medium business fintech lender in Latin America. It is the the group's fourth investment in that area um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see as they deepen their presence around the world and, and in Latin America specifically and, yeah, then- and I
1: no, yeah I'm, um, I'm actually looking at a company uh, well, a nonprofit called FDX the financial data exchange um, and it's a nonprofit comprised of a lot of the biggest banks in the country uh, and they're trying to sort of create a unified data sharing agreement I uh, an interview with FDX this week. Uh, talked about a lot of interesting topics. So, um, planning to write something about, you know, what's their plan forward and how they, uh, sort of, what their their goals are both in the short and long term, given uh, sort of the, uh, all the, you know, interest there is in data sharing. Obviously, mm-hmm. with the explosion of fintechs out there, um, and sort of what what these companies are sort of uh, and banks are are doing to sort of come up with a a universal standard um that that they believe benefits both the banks and the fintech partners and the end consumers at the end of the day but um that's something that we'll be looking at as
0: well that's interesting i feel like the nonprofit organization i feel like the industry kind of relies on organizations like that to provide some sort of regulatory framework because i believe that the us is kind of behind other countries in the world in terms of data sharing regulation. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, most people would say that I think the UK and the EU are certainly um, a few steps ahead of us in terms of data sharing. They have, um, uh, there, there is sort of a standard over there um, that if a consumer, on paper at least the law, is that if a consumer wants to share their financial data with a third party, um, the bank has to do so. Um, in the U S that is not a law. Uh, however, most big banks don't want to, you know, cause customer friction, um, for customers trying to connect to a third party, obviously. However, they technically could block your financial data from going to whatever app you're trying to use. Um, so yeah, they are, you, a lot of people would say that the the EU and the UK are, are certainly ahead of us. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't, the, the path forward to creating some sort of standard agreement like that or some sort of law that um, dictates that consumers can share their data with whoever they want. Um, I, I don't know what the best path forward, best path forward would be to creating that, um, but it is interesting that there is a nonprofit that's trying to sort of make that happen. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think a lot of these, it's a lot of these conglomerate, not conglomerates, but um, sort of coalitions that, uh, that get together that are trying to like push policy forward. Um, at the end of the day, it's obviously going to have to go through, you know, Congress and etc. But um, I think that these coalitions are sort of meant to at least push that forward uh, in a somewhat unified way.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what FDX thinks is is the path forward.
1: Yeah, well, we'll hope, hopefully the story sheds light on that. We'll find out.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you everyone for joining us for this week's weekly wrap for the week ending May 29th. We will see you at bankinnovation.net. And thanks so much, Rick, for, for joining us today. Great, thanks Bianca. Thanks everyone. Talk to you soon.